Does your broker tell you they're managing your retirement money on a daily basis? Really? So when they're on vacation, how does that work? Do they have computers doing their job for them? Is that reliable money management? Is it time you learned how to have reliable retirement income, keeping your principal, and protect your gains with a higher income strategy? That's why to tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Eric Hallaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now higher income strategies. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me today. Total Financial Hour, talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for your future. That's what it's all about when we're trying to navigate this world of uh, uncertainty, right? Retirement today is different than it was, or what you thought it would be anyway, five years ago. Not forever ago, but literally just five years. Now, if you're, oh, I don't know, a kindergartner, five years is a long time ago, but for most of us that are older, Five years is a blink in the eye. Two years is, you know, but a moment. Because the older we get, the more time seems to, well, not be as important when it comes to the length of time making a decision. Meaning if you have a a two-year commitment or a one-year commitment, you're like, oh, I can do that in my sleep. But if you're a teenager and you have a two-year commitment or a four-year college, it seems like, oh, it's a whole world away. Well, okay, certainly it, it is where the perspective of the, uh, of the uh, what is it, the eye of the beholder, as they say. Yeah, I understand that. But retirement, expect that to last a lifetime. Now, only God knows, you, you know, your life expectancy. And that's important because you still have to act as if it's going to be a long time. You still have to act as if retirement is not just but a moment or six months, but for many, many years. Take the age of your mom and dad. Um, you know, of course, barring any weird, uh, you know, diseases or, or accidents or something that is uh, just unforeseen. But when you have your parents' age, add another 10% to that. Meaning if they lived into till age 80, your mom or your dad, for example, then you would be age 88. It's a rule of thumb. It's rough. But the reason is because of the education that we have in the health world, right? In, in the world of which many of us now live, there is a huge difference in not having steak and eggs for breakfast, right? Many people don't come home and, and have a, a whiskey on the rocks as a nightcap every night. Uh, you know, many people are watching their cholesterol. That wasn't even a thing years ago. Blood pressure. Well, it didn't matter. Nobody even took it. When your parents who are 80 were in their 30s or 40s, so if there was a congenital problem or something that had an early onset diabetes, we find out about it now. Certainly we have a much greater uh, chance of not just finding out about it, but treating it, mitigating any uh, issue it has to your life expectancy or your quality of life. So that's why I say use a 10% rule of thumb. All right? Especially for you and a spouse, if if there are two of you together, that the chance of one of you living to age 90 is really high. I mean, 40, 50, 70 percent, depending on if you're married, 
at the age of six uh, till the age of sixty five, right? If both of you make it till age sixty five, the chance of one of you making it till age ninety five is quite large. And as we continue down this road, you get to age seventy. That age of ninety ninety five is an is a big number. So now think of it: you retired at sixty, right? Thirty years from now, you could still be walking around and and relatively healthy. You might have a new knee or a new hip. You might have other artificial organs that are replacing things or valves or or other stints. But your ability to live into your 80s and 90s is a real issue, let alone the centurions that are happening. A lot of us know that. We all know somebody who died right around or just before or after age 100. That's going to start becoming more and more of a common theme. And I, and I know, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't want to live that old. Just take me out back. Push me off the, the Grand Canyon. Push me off a cliff, right? I've, I've heard all those stories. I'm sharing that with you because there's a quality you can have along that journey. And it isn't just the last 15 years of misery. So what is it that I want you to do throughout retirement to retain a quality of life? Well, grab your pen and paper. Because I'm going to give you some things that I think are pretty important. What I've noticed in 26 years of financial practice, okay, tens of thousands of people have come through my office. I happen to be good at understanding, seeing patterns. I'm pretty good at that. That's a, that's some, that's a strength of mine, seeing common themes throughout our client base, successful ones especially. All right, grab your pen and paper. All right, here's our phone number, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888 888- Nine nine seven, three eight, four seven, triple eight ninety nine. Retire. I spoke to a gentleman this week, and he said, "Arif, you know, it took me uh, the entire radio show to write down your number because you spoke so fast." So I thought, okay, I'm going to make sure that I I speak slow enough. It's eight 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 nine nine seven, three eight four seven. That's triple eight ninety nine. Retire. Okay. Remember, we have our second hour of the show today. Second hour, it's exciting. This is, I think, a fourth week, maybe, third or fourth week. Second hour of the show, we have an amazing program. We always talk about uh, the emails that we get in. We have uh, special guests in the future. So we have things coming along. I think it's exciting now that we're doing two hours every uh, week at this time. Okay, as we're talking about your family's finances, you're alive, you're healthy, you're strong. Maybe you're getting ready to retire. Remember, the whole reaction to COVID is a new thing. That never happened before, not in any of our lifetimes. Right? The country of China has decided to weld people into their homes. If you don't think the individual is irrelevant in the country of China, and if you don't think that that is starting to happen in the United States with these progressive lefties, with the woke universities, university professors, they've become an incubator of intolerance. They've become an incubator of oppression. The university system has become an incubator of downright fascist activities towards the human condition and the entire Bill of Rights, Constitution, everything that we stand for. Okay, Arif, that's pretty pretty broad strokes. Not all universities. You're right, not all. And I'm not all-knowing But I can tell you this. 
I can count on one hand and probably have a finger or two left over of the universities that actually teach what universities, believe it or not, are supposed to teach. There's probably almost no high school in Southern California that teaches what a high school is supposed to teach. You're talking about transgender and wokeism and progressive this and climate change that. Excuse me, ma'am, I thought you were a math class. Excuse me, sir, aren't you my history professor? Why is it we're talking about, you know, President Trump or the intolerance of this? You're just teach. Right. I'm not here to hear your political ideas. Do you know how many? And I love them. I love you guys. All right. So so this is the, the general. Maybe you're wonderful. But you know how many teachers. For you, for the uh, unified school system. Any professors. Have never had children. Yeah. Some of them, many of them have never been married. Well, when you've never had children, your point of view is a very selfish point of view. It's the reason in in Roman courts, I believe, in order to be a judge, right? Sit in the judiciary, pass judgment, uh, uh, apply sentences, jail or even execution. The only way to do that, believe it or not, back in that day was only if you had children. You could only be a judge if you were a parent. Now you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, it's the same reason that you should only be a teacher if you're, if you're a parent. Oh, Arif, don't, don't. Okay, I get it. This is a discussion. Why would I say that? Because, look, in Roman times, I believe, it might be Greek, but I believe it was Roman times, in order to be a judge, you had to have an understanding of compassion that whom you're sentencing is not just the person who committed the crime, but the entire family is going to pay the price for somebody being incarcerated or executed. Right? So so if you're an educator and you you have parents that want to be involved that are are, are discussing with you, are, are pushing back, are questioning. You're indoctrinating. Yes, some of you are. Some of the most precious things in our lives. I'm not saying you should never be a teacher if you don't have children. I'm saying understand something. You are in control of something that is far more valuable than your cat or your dog or your apartment, or your townhome, or your home. Oh, Eric, I have mom and dad. No, 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 it's completely different. The love you have for your parents is completely different than the love your parents have for you. So that means when you take a child in the third, fifth, eighth grade, and you're educating them, you're darn right Mama Bear is going to come out, and Papa Bear is going to come out. And they're going to be arguing and, and discussing and questioning and under, trying to understand and, and try to, try to you know, shape. So I want you to be really clear on this, guys. If you're a, a senior, if you're retiring and you have a child, I want you to be involved in the school system. Even if you don't have a child, you can still be involved, of course. But you come with a perspective where if we have an educator who doesn't have a children, but you're volunteering as the math mom or the, or the math uh, you know, grandfather or granddad, whatever they call you, like I was, 
right? I used to volunteer as the math, uh, math dad in first grade and in kindergarten, teaching kids flashcards and stuff because I was kind of semi-retired. So it was, it was good to be able to do that. But what you need to understand is some of those educators don't have that perspective. It's just not part of who they are. Now, maybe someday they will be okay. But you really, my, the, the teachers that come into my office that taught and didn't have kids until they were in their 30s, they talked about many things. One, how selfish they were before. All of us are that way, right? I mean, I felt the same thing. Like, wow, what did I, I didn't even know what I found important before the age of 27, before my son was born. I, I don't even know what mattered. The second thing that my educators who have a child later in life is they, they get it. They get what it takes and why somebody is so concerned when certain questionable books or, or work sheets are sent home. Okay, so if you're retired, that purpose matters. And maybe part of your job is to take your expertise and go and teach at a high school or even a university or a community college. Right? Maybe it's to volunteer, to be around somebody, to soften the perspective that some of these educators have that have never had children. Because it's virtually impossible for them to have the same sense of what a parent feels. All right. I told you I would give you this. You got your pen handy? The five-minute check-in every morning. Now, what I'm looking for is something like almost a to-do list. And you might have prepped it from the day before or even carried over things that you didn't get, get done. But the check-in list is a couple of things. I want you to be in tune with how are you feeling, especially if you have some ailments that pop up now and again or you know, asthma, breathing issues where the wind starts to blow or the spring is here or, or there's things that are happening where it can change rather quickly. Right? Check in. How are you feeling today? Your joints, your back, whatever. But more importantly than all of that and, and part of it, but more importantly is your mind. Do you have a positive attitude today? Are you somebody who's going out prepared to make a difference? Are you, somebody, are you somebody who's going out planning to be involved in a positive way in your community? I don't mean just you know wearing the same pajamas you wore the, the last two days with your slippers on and you're not shaven and your hair's a mess and you sit at the computer and you think you're making a difference by, by you know, responding on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. You're, you're getting out there and you're just, man, you gave your opinion. I think that's a cheat, to put it frankly. I think it's a cheat. I think for you to get out there and make a difference means you got to get get dressed, you have to get out of bed, make your bed, whatever it might be. You have to get up and do something. Mark Cuban says he never makes his bed because he found that the two minutes that it took to make his bed every morning, when he multiplied that by a lifetime, he could get a lot more done. So he purposely does not make his bed every morning. As a reminder that he has his time that's fleeting. Okay. Hire a housekeeper. He can do that. She'll come right behind you and make up your bed. But I need you to have something in your life that's orderly. Your desk. Something has to not be in chaos. Your closet. 
your car. Right? I used to travel around the back seat of my car, had papers and all sorts of stuff. The trunk of my car was a mess, like all of us, right? You always had to I lived in the mountains at this time and so I had to have an extra change of clothes and, you know, a couple of water bottles and I always had something just in case I got stuck somewhere. Well, today I don't live in the mountains, you know, up in up in the Fraser Park area. I used to live up there. Snowed in many times a year. Freak snow sometimes would snow us out. But that seven-year period of time, life was a little bit more in chaos because we had kids and we were trying to figure out life and newly married. But my point is for you today, find something that is not going to be in chaos. It doesn't have to be everything. You start with one. But that physical and more important mental check-in, right? Is there a small problem that I need to fix before it becomes a big problem? Right? If you see a little drippy faucet or you hear the toilet running just a little bit and you try to go fix it, it's better to fix those things when they're small little issues. And that's what that does. Okay, That, that mental check-in. And you're going to find a place in your life where you can make a difference. I like the ability to take your skill set. Right? I think one of the biggest lies young people have followed, there's, there's a couple. One of them is uh, do what you love and the money will follow. If you love what you do, you're never working a day in your life. All of that is hogwash. Because I don't care what you love. Is someone going to pay you for it? You can love something all night long. Mike Rowe says this. I've been saying it for years, so he probably copied me. <laughs> I'll tell him next time I see him. Hey, Mike, you copied me. But I think this. Uh, look, nobody, nobody uh, is going to pay you if you're great at making stick figures out of toothpicks. Just nobody's going to do it. Right? Popsicle houses. Boy, he's, he's creative. Yeah, this is in the third grade art assignment, folks. It doesn't matter what you like to do. What are you good at? What are you so good at that someone's going to take money that they've earned, that they've spent time away from their family, that somebody could have purchased anything And yet instead, you are so good at something, they want to give it to you instead. Uh, Look, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. That's a new phenomenon. Do you think uh, the immigrant father and mother who was a janitor, worked two jobs as a housekeeper or a waiter or busboy or kitchen worker, do you think any of them loved their job? Probably not. But the intelligent ones learned how to make it fun, exciting, productive. They learned how to understand that they were making a difference so that the next generation could go to college because that was usually the goal. Look at your history. You think your dad or mom loved being away from you? Traveling on the road, driving a truck, or, or, or being you know, a worker who had to work in other cities? Probably not. But they looked over their shoulder. They saw you there like a baby bird with your mouth open. <laughs> Feed me, feed me. And they said, "Uh uh-oh, who's going to work for my family? Obama? Biden? No, no, no. It's got to be Harris, Kamala Harris. (laughs) Or maybe maybe your parents just looked in the mirror and said, it's going to be me. And that's the same thing I want you to do. You're now retired, though. You don't have to do that anymore. Right? Your money, if you played it right, I'll get into that a little later. You played it right. You managed your cards properly. You even built in a little cushion for inflation. 
Now you can actually retire. You can make a difference. You can go out. You can take that skill set that maybe you didn't really enjoy doing before, but you're so good at it that maybe somebody else could, could use it and you can do the same kind of mind shift game that many intelligent, positive thinking parents, grandparents have done. Ready for that? They have joy. They have joy where they work. They have joy in their heart. And when people come around them, you've seen these images, you know, with the with Facebook and YouTube and some of these uh, some of these images that folks go out and the whole school raises money for the janitor to get a new car. Have you seen those? I mean, I cry like a baby when I watch those things. Right. Or a teacher who who's working or a student and, and somebody sees that same student go to school and then he walks two or three, four miles to go to work so that he can take care of his mom who's at home and, dis- and, and disabled. And then he comes back home at night, midnight, as he walks, and, and some amazing person buys him a car. Right? You, you see that and you go, wow, that, that's amazing. That's incredible. Many of you would do that. You would give away your money. I appreciate that. Let's do it in the right way. Because when you want to reward somebody, it's not, it's, it's really not as if that guy was, oh, well, he's a janitor or he's working at two fast food restaurants, so he's worthy of getting a car, like it just came out of the blue. No, no, no. Somebody else worked, spent their whole life, saved money. Maybe it, it took them a very short period of time and they bought a car for that janitor. They bought a car for that student or for that young person. My point is, when you're working to create the money to do that, that can be the joy. That can be the fulfillment. Yeah, you're working, you've made money, but now you've turned around and and given something to make a difference in the life of that next person. So maybe you're working a job you didn't like, but you took the money that you were made, that you made from it, and you made a difference in somebody else's life. The positivity that can happen, and I'm going to tell you, I prefer that you do it anonymously, not for just spiritual reasons, but for practical reasons. This way your door doesn't get a, you know, knocked down uh, 10 times a day in your phone and your email, right? I'd, I'd prefer that nobody know this and you get to choose when you want to pop your head up and, and give something or not, or whether it's volunteer, whether it's through another organization that, that whose goal it is to keep your uh, name out of it, to keep you anonymous, those kinds of things, it's up to you. I just don't want you to have a, a run on the bank, so to speak. And those moments of positivity, taking the career field in which you're good at. I'm an engineer, I'm a math person. Great, now you can tutor young people. And that's the difference. Do you follow me on that? It's important you have that. Because here's the problem. You sitting in the corner with your head down, playing some silly video game on your phone, and it's only because I can't use curse words. The FCC's, you know, not a, not a fan of them. And thinking that you're some sort of socially involved because it's words with friends, but not really friends because you don't have any friends because you're you're sitting in a stinking box called a house or a bedroom. There's no words with friends. What is that? Friends, coffee. Let me share my problems. Uh, let's have tea together. Let's cry together. Let me get mad at you. Let you get mad at me. Let's forgive each other. That's friends. 
not uh, you know discussing the same topic that both of you are happy with online and you you, you know pat yourself on the back because you you argued you know some sort of point that was talking points out of you know regurgitation what is this you have to get out you have to see people you have to take that phone and toss it in the corner you have to shut off all of those silly games I'm telling you guys, it, 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 you think you think you're making a difference. Like, okay, fine. Set an alarm, fifteen minutes a day, a half an hour a day. Remember your children? Yeah, you can't be in front of the TV more than two hours of TV a night, or one hour of TV a night. Set yourself with that, and then quote, go outside and play. Remember that, moms and dads and grandparents. Remember you used to do that. Get outside. Don't come home until the streetlights come on. So you take your little silly video games on your phone and you put them somewhere and then you go outside and play and then you come back. All right, what are we going to do next? It dovetails perfect into what we just talked about. You're retired or getting ready to retire. What do you need to do to make sure you still make a difference? Grab your pen. Number three is coming right up. We'll be right back. I'm Eric Hallaby. 888 retire We'll be right back. Learn about financial power. Total financial hour. Now has a plan for me. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Hey, thanks for staying with me as we continue with the program, The Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Halaby. Hey, just a reminder, send us your emails at Arif at tfswealth.com. That's Arif at tfswealth.com. We'll answer your emails at the second hour. That's always a lot of fun. Trying to figure out what you're saying. What's your concern? What are the things that are mattering, uh, that matter to you? And, and, you know, give us a scenario. Please remember to put your ages in there, okay? That matters a lot. Sometimes people forget to put their age. And so I kind of have to guess or, or I just assign you an age and then I try to solve or answer your question based on, you know, that assumption, okay? So to be a bit more accurate, Gives us a little bit of a guideline. All right, we're talking about your retired. What are we going to do to make sure that you enjoy retirement so that that transition, because I'm concerned about the financial side as well. Okay, that matters. Because when you retired, the cost of things weren't, well, it wasn't really going up very much. It didn't really change until about the last year. You know, you can be mad at President Trump's tweets or think that he, uh, you know, said something rude or, I, I get it, and I'm, I'm, probably going to be in agreement at, at some point. But I shared with you in the middle of that whole thing, I didn't want to marry him. I didn't want to be his best friend. It'd be nice to meet him. I'd love to meet everybody that, that would be a president. Man, that's that's a pretty amazing. Meet one president, let alone. All of that would be incredible. Do I think he was an amazing person that God put in possession of the presidency for the time in which he was there? I do. I do. 
I think he was geared more towards this country than probably any other president, maybe since George Washington, maybe Abraham Lincoln, maybe Eisenhower. Because Eisenhower actually was a, a big patriot, of course, as well. But to give up billions of dollars of an empire, right? When was the last president, you know, you know, Biden is a multi, multi-millionaire. Why doesn't he give up his salary as president? Right. He can do that. The media would actually cover it. President Trump never took a penny as the president. Well, I, I take that back. I think he took a dollar a year and he donated his salary every single quarter. Isn't it amazing how rarely that got covered, including when he donated to black scholarships and and black colleges and other uh, minority causes. And yet the media never covered it. You know that if President Biden even gave fifty dollars. To any of these causes, the media would be all over it. What a philanthropic individual. What a man of the people. We know he's corrupt. He's just holding his breath, Biden time, playing weekend at Bernie's. Real simple. So that Kamala Harris gets two years and 10 minutes. The presidency, rather, uh, two years and 10 minutes after he is in office. If she can hold out, if he can hold out another year, then she can have two terms plus the last two years of his term. If she is president for 10 years, that's that's uh, President Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt's, uh, that kind of impact. You see, he reshaped in not a good way this country. He did some good things, for sure, but he didn't reshape the country in a good way. And that's the kind of impact that 10 years in the presidency can have. That is my thought and my concern is to make sure and to be careful that we don't see that with Kamala Harris. Simple enough. Right? Very simple. It's what Putin did when he put in Medvedev. I might have pronounced that wrong, but <laughs> right? It was a shadow government so Putin could could consolidate power, make it look like, you know, his vice president was really running the show, but he wasn't. Remember that secret little talk? President Obama says, uh, I will let uh, Vlad know. Tell him I will have more flexibility after the election. No problem. I will let Vlad know. Remember that open mic? Ha, ha, ha. Everybody laughs, claps. What was he, what was he conspiring to do? They impeached President Trump over something so minor, not even compared to that. And here he is dancing with the enemy. So my biggest concern is this, guys, that you really need to be sure on. You need to understand technology. You need to stay up to date. We had a client come in the other day. I don't email. Well, that's fine. Uh, you could say whatever you want. But how, how would you like to continue in this gig economy? What do you mean you don't email? I don't have a cell phone. I don't email. I get it. You know, there were conveniences and even luxuries 20 years ago, then they, be, you know, luxuries, then they became conveniences. And if you don't think they're a necessity now, right, get stopped on the side of the road and look at a call box. Oh, wait, there aren't any or their, their handles are ripped off the, the side, right? I told you that I was an expert at the call boxes by the time I was 12 because we would get stuck on the side of the freeway on occasion. Our cars weren't always working and I'd have to go call CHP, walk you know, six feet away from those big rigs, rigs driving by at 
60 miles an hour. It was scary, scary for a little boy. But your mom and sisters are stuck in the car. What are you going to do? I'll do whatever it takes. So I'd walk a quarter mile, whatever, answer the, the uh, phone. Hi, yeah, CHP, I need you to call my uncle. Here's his phone number. Have him come pick us up or call my dad and have him come pick us up. Okay. Well, today that doesn't exist. Why? Because there's an assumption everybody has a cell phone. Uh, you don't stop on the side of the road. Doesn't matter. Hey, listen, she's going to be okay. She has a cell phone. When I was one of the first ones with the cell phone in my family, and I was in law enforcement, so we had it, and I had worked extra jobs, so I had extra money. I remember it was a dollar a minute, 99 cents a minute. Remember that? Crazy. L.A. Cellular. Right? If I saw somebody stuck on the side of the road, I would purposely use my phone. Even It's crazy, right? The, the, who you are doesn't ever leave. But I would pull over. I would use my phone. I'd give it to them. They would call. It cost me $6 by the time they, I'm fine. How are you? Good. Everything okay? Yeah. Hey, get off the phone. Come on. Tell them where you are because this is costing me a dollar every time. Right? I'd give them the phone. They'd call. Okay. Is everything fine? Yeah. And my wife and I would drive on our way. I mean, you understand those kinds of things. That's who who you are. If you're if you happen to be that way, well, then fine. Don't forget to stop, because some seniors don't have phones. And I'm going to tell you guys, you have to get one. Go in on a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday afternoon or something in in these shops when they're not busy. Find a helpful person and have them give you a tutor. Te- you know, teach you how it works. Have a grandson or daughter come over and help you with your email. Have her set up your router, things like that. But I'm going to tell you, you need to have some sort of cell phone. Now, remember, there's a there's you on the other side, right? That you wake up with your cell phone. You play those silly games with your cell phone. You're involved with your cell. Everything is your, and you've got, your, you know, your head is hurting because you're looking down all the time. And the world is passing you by and you forget to eat dinner or take a shower. Yeah, folks, you're out there. You have to put that thing down. And if you're not sure, there is a setting on your phone where it can tell you how many hours a day you're, you've been on it. You know that? And what apps, how much time you've sent, spent on each app. There's a direct correlation with young people on the level of depression and involvement with social media. There's a direct correlation with young people on, on uh, suicide, depression, and the amount of time they spend on the phone. And are you ready for this? There's now studies and evidence to say it is the same for seniors. The level of depression, lack of self-worth, lack of motivation is directly tied to the amount of time they spend on their phones. So do an audit, right? Check yourself every day. You know, hey, how much, how much time am I spending on this? And then practice setting boundaries with people in your life. Some of you don't want to do anything. Some of you say yes to everybody all the time. And you might have that daughter or daughter-in-law with the kids where they think they can call you at the drop of a hat and have you come and watch their children. Look, culturally, this is the way it was in the Middle East and Lebanon, where my dad is from. Every house that you would see in the mountains, in the villages, in the lower middle class area, right? In the, in the working class area, you would see there would be rebar sticking out of the roof. Every few feet, there was a two-story house with rebar sticking out. Sometimes a three-story house with rebar, sometimes a one-story house. 
And you look at it and you go, huh, what is that for? I asked my dad, I said, dad, what is that? He said, well, when the oldest son, when he's ready to be married, we add a second floor or a third floor or a fourth floor. And that's what we just keep on doing. So when we built the house originally, the foundation was such to be able to handle all of that weight. Now, they may not have had any children at the time, but they knew that someday this is how it worked. So what would happen? The mom would say, hey, kids, go downstairs to your grandparents' house. I'm going to go to the store. So the kids run downstairs, knock on grandma's door. Hey, grandma, you know, okay, great. Have a seat. Go play. And so the families, although not living in the same house, were basically in the same, quote, apartment building, right? There was two, three, four stories up in top, sometimes outstretched onto the side lot. Maybe they would buy a, you know, buy a, an adjacent lot or something. So there was always an assumption if grandma or grandpa was home, you could go and be watched by them. I share that today because there are some boundaries that are, that are still not able to be managed. Because your granddaughter will call, hey, grandma, give me $10. Your grandson, hey, I need to to take your car. And you never say no. So I want you to start thinking about that. Where are you? Are you overindulging? Are you being taken advantage of? Are you not being appreciated? So there's a finite amount of energy that you have in your life. And watch those boundaries. How do you do all of this and still maintain a financial stability? Well, I'm going to tell you a couple of things. Let me give you my phone number again. It's 888-997-3847. That's 888-99-RETIRE. Why do I think that it's important that you understand the financial components? Because there's often a level of stress. Part of it is the chase, right? When you're young, especially for me as a young father and and uh, I was married and working multiple jobs. And remember, some of you know my story. I got scammed when I was young. I had to go back to work, many jobs, right? Many uh, uh, part-time jobs to try to make it, uh, make a living. And you're, I was sleeping in my car on occasion, right? I'd be in mall parking lots um, doing what you had to do to survive. Many of you have stories that are even greater risk and... and uh, Oh, sacrifice, I guess, right? But when you're in the middle of that, there's a chase that occurs. There's an adrenaline high about always being on this chase. Well, well, now you caught it, right? You caught the bunny rabbit, Mr. Greyhound. Now what do you do? So, so you have to realize, how do you keep track of making sure that the chase or that adrenaline or that feeling or that involvement is redirected now? Because financially speaking, you need to make sure you stay on top of your numbers, your money. So I want you to do something. We've called it laddering before. People have used T-bills or TIPS, right? Treasury Inflation Protection Securities. They have used uh, bonds. They have used uh, fixed annuities, CDs, fixed indexed annuities, things that have a protection of the principal. It is very difficult to ladder in an uncertain time like this Assets that have risk where you can go backwards, where you can lose. Because that can change financially on a dime. And when it does, you have to go back to work. Or when it does, you have to stop uh, giving money to charity. Or when it does, you have to sell things. Do you want to do that? Is that the kind of lifestyle you want? Maybe. 
Maybe not. So I think if you have your money spread out, look, I, I always talk about the old school because I'm the first generation American. So I see this even though my dad is, a, is an American, my mom is an American, but my dad came from Lebanon, right? He left when he was 18, went to West Africa. He lived there for a decade and then came to the United States. My mom is already a Michigan farm girl, but uh, and met my dad. They they were married and drove to California. That's their whole style. <laughs> That's uh, many years of their life in a nutshell. But when I share that with you, it's because my perspective is kind of one foot in one world and one foot in another. Because the, the immigrant world was we don't trust banks. We're very quiet about our, our money and our assets. We keep things hidden even from sometimes our spouse and certainly sometimes our, uh, our, our kids, right? We're cautious about this, cautious about that, right? There's people like that. And if you're not that way and you're the child or the, the partner of somebody that is, you have to understand that there's a level of fear that they have. So they may not always open up to you about how much risk they have or don't have or how much safety they have or don't have. But there needs to be some level of communication between the two of you. And again, if it's just yourself, then look in the mirror. Right? You're going to make sure, am I having a positive day? You're going to look in the mirror and say, you know, I'm going to check in on my body. How am I feeling? Am I making a difference in the world? Am I spending too much time in front of the television or in front of my cell phone or iPad or computer? Am I, where, where's my boundaries? These are things that you can do on a daily basis. And all of that requires, believe it or not, U.S. dollars. Now, I know some of my crypto friends are going to say, oh, well, it can, you can do it all with you know, a quarter of a Bitcoin. Okay, maybe so. Right now, my seniors are, are involved very closely and heavily with what? Dollars. That's the way it works. So what do I recommend when I say laddering or staggering? Well, it isn't just the asset, but it's turning the asset into income. Because if you sit in this huge building... Right, You go to Salem, Salem's headquarters here in Glendale. You sit down and you've got this huge building and you owned it. You're like, Arif, I just wrote my last check and I paid it off. I bought this building for whatever, $10 million. It's now worth $50 million. Great job. So, Arif, I need income. I have to have dinner. You can't take a piece of drywall to the grocery store. Right? It's nice that you have this huge asset. It's nice that you have that much money in your mutual funds or stocks or bonds or, 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 or annuities. You can have six homes paid off. And you need U.S. dollars to go get dinner. You need U.S. dollars to go to the grocery store. So my point is shifting assets into income that's what I do. That's what our specialty is. It's taking assets, chunks of dollars that you have set aside, that you've worked hard. Because remember, your food, shelter, clothing, that came from your job for many years. Your food, shelter, clothing, that was how you lived. Somebody else decided your paycheck, by and large. Somebody else decided if, if it was uh, the company was working or the product or the process or the inventory. All of that was somebody else. And every two weeks, you got a paycheck. Well, now, because you've set aside money, because you've put money aside into various assets, because you've created different levels of wealth, 
Now what? We have to turn those into income. We have to flip a switch and think differently. And so laddering that income, in other words, taking that whole pie and splitting it into pieces and not eating it all at once, but slowly getting into it. And when you're done with one, we start another. And when you're done with one, we start another. And we spread that out over how long are you going to retire? Five years, 10 years, or the rest of your life? The rest of your life. You see, I started the show by explaining to you something pretty important, that the life expectancy today is not what you think. It's a lot longer. Take your parents and add 10%. That's a pretty realistic number. That's what I have to solve for as a financial professional who specializes and I think is an expert, my clients will tell you, in protecting your assets, growing your income, and building reasonable, reliable, what's the right word, sources of income. Right? Once you have that, now you have a stream of income that can last the rest of your life. So that's what makes a difference. Your, your exp- uh, expenses in life, believe it or not, are going to go up. Because it used to be, oh, you're going to stay home more. Oh, you're going to eat you know, half of a, your Both you and your wife are going to go out to dinner and you're going to share an entree. Right? That's the norm. We're going to go to a buffet. Right? One of us are going to order. You're going to pay the, the second plate fee because that's what they do with those. Right? You can't, two people can't share because buffets are all you can eat often. Well, if they ever come back. The reaction to COVID has shut down a lot of these buffets. So a lot of you will still share an entree. You'll go out, let's split a salad. I've seen it even people in their 60s, 50s and 60s, let alone 70s and 80s. We're going to share an entree. I'm like, are you guys kidding? You're 49 years old. Well, yeah, that's what we do. Okay, listen, I'm paying, so <laughs> you're okay. Oh, okay, well, yeah, we'll still share an entree. Maybe it's because the portion sizes are larger. I'm not sure. But, but for most people, their expenses in retirement used to go down because that's what people thought. Less electricity, put on another sweater instead of turn on the, the heater, right? Less gasoline, not buying a new car every five years. These things really started shifting, but now inflation roars its head, doesn't it? Now inflation comes along. And what you used to spend for on, on items is now more. And that is where laddering and increasing your income comes into play. You have to have a second source of income or a third source of income. You have to have the ability to have many sources of income when it comes into retirement. Inflation report this week is about 8.5% is what March. That's just the consumer prices. Right, so you have consumer prices, in other words, what the consumers pay at the retail end, grocery store, uh, restaurants, consumer prices, what the final end user pays. But are you ready for this? The producer prices, in other words, what are the manufacturers paying? That's the PPE. That'll be coming out soon as well. Producer price index. So what are people paying? Eight and a half percent more. Now, if you're not sure what that means, let me be clear on this. What used to cost you $100 now costs you about $108. And you have to know that. 
That means $8 has to come from somewhere. If it's going to be sold in your stocks, bonds, mutual funds, it's never there again to lose, to earn any more interest. What do fixed or fixed indexed annuities have? They have the ability to increase your income. So last year you were being paid $1,500 a month. This year, let's increase it to $1,800 a month. We can do that. We can do that. We can set it up to where there's a systematic increase with certain types of fixed or fixed indexed annuities. They're not right for everybody, and they're certainly not right for all of your money. A gentleman came in this week. I, I always tell you it's about one a week. A gentleman came in this week, and, and I said, you have exactly what I would do for you. There's nothing I would change. I think you're good where you are. Anything else you want me to look at? He said, no, that was my big one. I said, good. I think you're fine. I wouldn't make any changes. He said, great. Have a nice day. He was gone, probably 12 minutes. Sometimes I can tell you within 15 minutes, a lot less, yes, I can help you or no, I can't. Here's what I can do for you or here's what I can't. Then I'll give you choices. And the choices you might decide, oh, well, I like you know number three or number two or, or fine. That's the one we can op- offer for you. But I have to ask questions, right? A radio show like this is general information because I haven't met with you. Your personal life is completely different. That's why I encourage you to send an email. Let me give you that email address one more time. Ready? It is Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. Arif at TFSWealth, TFSWealth.com. Stands for Total Financial Solutions. Wealth as in a lot of money. So Arif at TFSWealth.com. You know what I'd like to know is uh, send me your questions or comments or tell me about you if you're going out and buying uh, solar. If that's part of your retirement plan, if solar or an electric car has been a change where yesterday you weren't doing it and now tomorrow you've decided to do it. In other words, it's part of your retirement strategy. Okay, pretty important because I'd like to know this to hear from you. I'm considering bringing in one of the solar experts of our area, Southern California solar experts. He's brilliant and he might be able to help, but I need to know if it matters to you. All right, thanks for staying with me. The second hour coming up, your questions, your comments, your letters and emails right here at Arif at TFSWealth.com. That's where you're going to send it, Arif at TFSWealth.com. I'm Arif Hallaby. Total Financial Hour. We'll be right back. Thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for staying with me. Second hour of our program, the Total Financial Hour. We're talking about your family's finances, getting out of debt, managing money. You've heard me talk about that for 17 and a half years now, 2004, something like that. 17, 18 years, a long time. Uh, let me give you the number, 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. Talking about uh, the things that matter to you, I always ask you, go out, write an email to me, put down some of your questions. I, I often... Uh, it, Look, I'll, I get you more of a detailed 
response back to you. And sometimes it means we need to be, be on a phone call because I have other questions. So there's times where I'm going to need more information. Uh, but if you send us an email and you give me permission to use it on the air, I do. And we have some questions uh, that I always love getting to because I find that over the the weeks past, you're not the only one with these kind of questions. You're not the only one with issues that are dealing with today an expectation that we never had before. I'll give you a good example. Your parents, certainly your grandparents, so your grandparents never really took care of their parents. Follow me here. Your great-grandparents worked, and according to life expectancy in days of old, probably retired for three to five years, maybe four years, seven years, something like that, and then they died. Good people. But their retirement, their life you know, uh, expectancy in retirement, they died in their 60s or 70s, early 70s usually. That was your grandparents. They didn't have to take care of their, their parents. Right? Your mom and dad come along and they take care of, well, they take care of your grandparents. But not for very long again. Maybe a little bit. And then you become, you're the baby boomer, your parents are the baby boomers, depending on how old you are. And you start looking back and you go, wait a second. In our generation, not a lot of people lived very long in retirement. In other words, they retired and they passed away. Today, many of you, especially with your moms or grandparents, grand, grandmothers, you're caring for them, right? Dad passed away and now you're dealing with your mom. Now, if your mom was somebody that didn't care for her body, right? Didn't take care of herself. Then maybe it's your dad who's going to live longer. I don't know that story. But you do know that this is a relatively new phenomenon. Look at home builders. They're building houses. It was always called the mother-in-law quarters, right? Never the father-in-law quarters. It was always called the mother-in-law quarters. Why? Because it was often the wife's mom that moved in. It was often the girl, the daughter, would care for her mom. And because everything was was geared or built down the male uh, perspective, for the man, it was his mother-in-law. Today, you're having both grandparents or parents live a lot longer in retirement, into their 80s or 90s, and you're starting to see this shift where this first floor, single family, separate entrance, uh, a larger room with a, with a mini kitchen or a little living room area and a television, kind of their own private space, quiet, away from everybody. That particular point of view that was so rare before, well, home builders are building it all over now. Home builders are turning this, this uh, as you might call a phenomenon, into an enormous moneymaker. Two master bedroom suites downstairs, one for you, one for your in-laws. They're in that corner, you're in this corner. There's no bell, ding, ding, and come out to the center and fight, right? I know, sometimes that happens. But that second point of view of, of thinking that, or, or, or perspective rather, thinking that this is a, a very rare occurrence, it isn't. It's all over the place. We started seeing over the last 20 years transportation uh, companies, vehicles, vans with wheelchair or, or cane or walker access to transport seniors around the community, the city, to the senior center, the community center, like daycare. 
I know we're not supposed to say that, but it's just like daycare. It's the grandparents. Let's drop them off. Let's go to work. Let's do what we're supposed to do for the day. And then we can pick up grandma or she can be dropped off or back at the house. Your mom can can come back to the house when you guys get home from work. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever it is. Bringing somebody into your house, that's a new phenomenon. It was always the cousin, aunt, sister, brother, cousin, the daughter that never married. It was her that would take care of the mother, the father. I mean, we saw that. Never had children. And now you have strangers. Now, I don't mean a guy off the street, but they're not relatives. They're, they're, they're uh, home health workers, caregivers coming into the house. All right, so this is a big deal because in your world, I think you need to know that both you and your mom and your dad, right, you all have to work together because this is going to change dramatically. This is not going to be something that that uh, is a, a short-term thing because you guys are living longer. The pensions and Social Security have not caught up to that fact. They need to change Social Security. In other words, you can't start it at 62. They need to change that number to 65. Now, I know you're not going to like it. I don't like it because I'm not that age yet. <laughs> right? A lot of you say, we want to do it, but for other people. We all need a dump, uh, you know, a, a trash dump. Yeah, but not on my backyard. We need a prison for those criminals. Yeah, but not in my backyard. There's no difference in the financial world. We need to fix the, the pension and social security system, but just not for me, those people. Wait till I get mine. That's not Americans, guys. That's recent Americans. That's the selfish Americans. But real Americans stand up and they say, this is what we have to do and we're going to make it work. Okay, so I need you to know this because for you guys, you guys have to look and see what is it going to take to make sure that your mom and dad and yourself are cared for forever. And that's understanding everything from Social Security to Medicare, hiring the right people, being a part of it. You're going to have to understand that most of, well, most of the money that you've saved, if you don't manage it right, if you don't ladder it properly, you could spend it all and shucks, they're still alive. What am I going to do? Right? It's like, uh-oh. You're going to be in a position to, to spend much, much more money than you thought. So let's open up here. Let me give you my email one more time. This is an email one of you sent us, Joe and Sue, to be exact. I think it looks like it came from Joe. All right, my email address, Arif, A-R-I-F, at tfswealth.com. So Arif at tfswealth.com. That's A-R-I-F. Some of you are cute. You spell it differently. All right, ready? Okay. Dear Arif, I'm 63 years old and my wife is 59. All of our kids are grown and I'm the main breadwinner. I have about 750000 in my 401k account and I want to retire in two years. My biggest concern is the market fluctuation. It's going up and down and I've lost $15,000 just in the last two weeks. Okay, guys, that's a lot of money. I'm, I'm pausing for a second. That's a heck of a lot of money. I mean, maybe it'll come back. Maybe he'll make it all next month. I don't know. But you can't afford big losses. Okay, back to his email. My pension and Social Security should cover all of our expenses and then some. 
I think we need about $500,000 to give us an additional $1,000 a month, maybe in about five years or so from now. Do you think it's possible to have that amount guaranteed for both the rest of my life and my wife's life? Also, you mentioned we will lose the lower of the two social security checks when one of us passes away. How can I plan for that too? All right. So I'm going to break it down, guys, for you because here's the questions, right? The questions, the concerns are twofold. We have to make sure that we don't run backwards, that we don't uh, you know, lose up this, uh, his income on the Social Security side. Because I want to address that first so I can explain it. When one of you passes away, the Social Security uh, Department takes away the lower of the two Social Security checks. So I don't, he didn't put uh, in here his Social Security amount, but let's just go for an example and say that his Social Security check is $2,500 right? 2,500 bucks. And his wife is going to be about $1,200 because the lower of the two, if she didn't work, and we know that because he said she's a stay-at-home wife. If she didn't work for money, she did work her tail off, but if she didn't work for money, then her social security check, the spousal provision is half of his about. So that's $1,200 I'm going to have to replace in the future. Maybe his pension is two or 3,000. So altogether, he's probably six, $7,000 a month. That's a pretty good chunk of money. Depends on where you live and what you do, of course. But I know I'm going to have to replace that $1,200 a month when one of them passes away. Now, you just heard me say life expectancy issues, things going down the road. He's probably going to be you know, alive for 25 years, 20, 25 years, and his wife as well. So we've got a long journey ahead. But if he passes away, she loses that $1,200. So I have to plan that someday that $1,200 is going to have to come back in. And then I want it to grow. I don't want it to just be $1,200 because in 20 years from now, it's certainly not going to buy what it can buy today. So here's what I would do, Joe. Do I think $500,000 would give you $1,000 a month? If it was in five years or so from now, I do. I think you can do that. We have accounts that can give a bonus. They, In other words, it's like a matching. They have guaranteed income. And I think we can get pretty darn close, maybe even a little bit more than that $1,000 a month in five years. That's a really good, uh, really good estimate. So what would you do with that additional 250000 in your 401k? Now, remember, you're going to have to require, uh, take out required minimum distributions. So it isn't as if you can just say, I'm never going to touch that 250000 In about a decade, you're going to have to start, says the IRS. Okay, so in 10 years from now, you can have it grow. I don't mind. I'd like it to grow, of course. But in 10 years from now, you're going to be required to start taking money out of all of your retirement accounts. And that 250 is included. Now, you can shelter it. You can do other things. You can invest it. You can set it aside for guarantees. You can take greater risk with it. If you say, oh, as long as the $500,000, that the big chunk of my money, if, the, if that is never going to go down from that number, right, because the market declines or risk or anything, no then you can afford to go play with some of that 250. Just remember, if you're going to take it out, it's 100% taxable. He did not indicate that it was a Roth 401k. He indicated that it's a traditional 401k. So here's my, my concern. You can't use that 250000 like a savings account. It isn't just like the money that's sitting in your checking or savings uh, at, at the credit union or the bank. Because it's a retirement account, you have to pull up, pull out about one and a half 
times of what you actually need. Meaning, if you want to pull out $100,000, you probably have to pull out about $150,000. Why? Because you have to give that to the IRS. Right? You have to give that to the state of California. So, that extra 50000 because it'll jump you into the next tax bracket, I'm, I'm doing an estimate. So, you have to plan for that. Make sure you don't think you're going to take out 100000 and all that's going to be is 100 and then next April you go to file your taxes and you go, uh-oh, why do I owe thirty-five dollars or $55,000 in taxes? Well, because you pulled out that big chunk of money. You gave it to your son for a down payment on the house. I love it when people do that. I'm like, you can give money to your son for a down payment on the house, just not retirement money. Your son's not retired, right? Retirement money is for retirement. Savings, that's for emergencies. Believe it or not, ready for this? College amount, college funds, yeah, that's for college. Why are poor people poor? Why do, why do people that make millions of dollars in their lifetime, add it up, add up your adjusted gross income, millions of dollars have come through your hand. Why is it that they don't have it and somebody else does? It's very simple. The poor mindset. I didn't say bad. I always have to correct you guys because I know once I say poor, you're like, oh, he thinks he's better than those people. No, no, no. Good people have poor mindsets. Bad people have rich mindsets. Bad people have poor mindsets. Good people, right? I mean, you get it? It doesn't matter. The mindset doesn't decide your behavior. As far as a decent human being in God's eyes, that's, that's a different set of criteria. But a poor mindsetted person will use their home equity to pay off their credit card debt. They'll use their retirement account to buy a car. They'll use their retirement account to give to their, their brother. We just had this recently. Their brother who lost a house in one of the storms in, in the Gulf area. And he lost his house. So she says, I need to take out $50,000 and give him to a down payment for his home. I said, well, you realize you're going to have to pull out 75000 She said, why? I said, well, because you have, you have a three quarters of a million. She had about $750,000 in that account. I said, your income for the rest of your life is going to be decreased by 10%. Instead of making up for inflation, you're going the opposite, 10%. You just took a pay cut forever of 10% so that you can have the ability to give your, your, your brother $50,000. Well, he said he might pay me back. He's only going to pay you back 50. Not, he's never going to pay you back the taxes that you lost. And really, you think he's going to pay you back? He thinks you're rich, right? You're a retired nurse. He, he thinks you're rich. He, he's not going to give you any money back. Shame on him for asking or even accepting that kind of money from a retiree who isn't rich. It's not like you just have it sitting in your bank account, right? You're not giving him money that you saved up or you just sold a house, you're giving him retirement money. So my point with Joe is the 500000 I'm happy we can make it. We can probably put it into an account where you're going to be able to get $1,000 a month. I'm pretty comfortable with that number actually. But that extra two fifty, I want you to keep it safe, maybe in a CD, Maybe, uh, you know, you can pick if you want stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Maybe it just sits in an IRA that is in a savings account at a credit union because it's accessible, right? I want you to have emergency access because do I mind that you pay the taxes if it means, okay, 
I have to pull out money and pay taxes or I'm homeless. Of course you do that. But the emergency of your son needing a down payment for a house or your daughter needing her wedding paid for, those aren't emergencies where this is the only source of revenue. Right? One of the biggest mistakes I had as a client uh, that, that he did, I should say, for one of my clients is, you know, he promised his daughter when she was two years old and then reinforced it her whole life that if she got accepted to Harvard, he would pay for it. Well, he was financially, his income was huge, but his savings wasn't. Most of his money was in his primary home. He had it paid off, millions of dollars paid off, and he had millions of dollars in his retirement account, fine, or at least a million, but he didn't have money set aside for college. So when it came time, he didn't qualify. His wife, uh, his kids didn't qualify for any real financial aid at Harvard. So he had to pull money from his retirement account at twice the rate, meaning whatever the cost of college was, I think at the time, this is many years ago, at the time, I think it was 30000 a year that he had to come out with. Well, he had to pull out sixty. So her education cost twice as much because he pulled out sixty, gave the government thirty paid Harvard 30. All because he promised her way back when. I said, well, you can't live up to that promise. Well, if that's just not the way our family works. I go, listen, I can promise you that I'm going to jump to the moon. If I'm not taking the preparations or doing the work, the problem isn't the promise. The problem is my actions between age two years old and your daughter going to college. You didn't do the things you were supposed to do, which meant put it into a college fund. Right? You thought you were doing the right thing because you saved and put it into a, your 401k. Great. Thought you were doing the right thing because you paid off your house. Fine. But that has nothing to do with college. One is retirement. Right? The IRS gives you all of these benefits in retirement accounts because they expect you to use it, guess what? For retirement. And retirement is not an event. It's something that lasts the rest of your life. That means when you have a retirement account, that's going to last the rest of your life, the income, guess how long that has to last? The rest of your life. So then the products and the purpose of an account that's called retirement is to spread out the income, which means lower taxes, which means longer lifestyle, uh, 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 life expense, a better lifestyle, and creating a life where your reliance on the government is much less. Right? I don't want you to be somebody who's going to count on the government with your little soup bowl. Right now they see this is what the big difference is. The recession that is coming, by the way, guys, no question. Whether or not it's a depression is going to decide on the actions of the government. The government is uh, Roosevelt is the one that pushed us into a depression in 1930. We were coming out of the recession very nicely, thank you. But when he he instituted supply chain crushing policies, that's what drove us into a depression. And we would have food, uh, right, those soup kitchen lines all around the blocks. Today, the soup kitchens are your grocery stores. The food pantries are the grocery stores. Why? Because the government is giving people these uh, coupons and debit cards, the EBT cards, where they can swipe them and buy their groceries. So the housing of the soup kitchen lines, they transferred it, the government transferred it from these uh, independent, uh, conveniently located halls around these big cities and went directly to grocery stores all across America. 
So that transfer of concern, service, etc. doesn't mean it went away. So somebody has to pay for it. I expect crushing taxes to be coming down the road. Right? I think there's going to be tons of people that are going to have bigger issues than they've ever thought possible. I think they're going to be in a position like you and me and others where you don't understand what's going to happen to your dollars and the money that you saved. So what am I concerned about for Joe and Sue in the big picture? It's very simple. Number one, social security check. That's a long ways off, statistically speaking. We can plan for that. There's no no problem for that. That's that extra 1200 or so a month. But I need to really make sure that you don't take that other 250000 and think of it as, I'm going to go buy an RV. Now, if you turn that 250000 here's how you would do it. You get a really low interest loan. I know Dave Ramsey and I, we're going we're gonna to separate here, right? We're together in a lot of things. We're going to separate here. I would take that 250000 I would turn it into an income stream, and that would be the payment I would solve backwards and say, what does that buy me in, quote, the fancy car, RV, vacation home, as opposed to pulling out the 250000 and giving a 100 of it to the government. I would turn it into an income stream, let's say, I don't know, $1,000 a month, $800 a month for the next decade. And then, by the way, it would still be there, the chunk of money. Right? So I would have that kind of, its job would be to give you a, a stream. That's what retirement accounts are for. Drips and drabs. Here's a, oh, you want to live better? Save more money. You want to build a greater retirement account? Save more money. Invest it. Do other things that create that, that lifestyle. Last thing I would say uh, to you, Joe, hey, listen, I'm, I'm proud of you. Saving up a three quarters of a million dollars on a one income family is a great thing. And you said the word kids, which means you have at least two, right? I, I took eighth grade English. Do you think it's possible to have that amount guaranteed? Absolutely no concern whatsoever. I think you can have that guaranteed out of the half a million. I would probably ladder it. In other words, I'd put it in probably two accounts. Depends on, on your, your situation. I'd have one start five years from now, and then I'd have one start uh, you know, after that, uh, 10 years, let's say. Designed for the rest of your life there, shorter term. And if either of you pass away, it goes to that surviving spouse and you're covered forever. We can do that. We, we can do it for you, Joe. And folks, we can do it for you too. Heir of Hallaby, I'm Total Financial Solutions, right? TFS Financial Insurance Services. That's our financial division that handles your stuff. TFS Financial Insurance Services. Let me give you our number, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. TFS Financial, we're here every week at this time. We've got another email coming up right after the break. Stay with me. This is interesting because it actually gets into some details uh, that just might hit home for many of you, maybe most of you these days here in Southern California. TFS Financial Insurance Services, go to Arif at TFSWealth.com. Send me an email. 888-99-RETIRE. Stay with me. 888-997-3847. We'll be right back. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now 
Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me as we come to the second uh, half hour of the show. I wanted to go over the second email with you. Uh, first, here's our phone number. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. We're talking about your family's finances. Talking about uh, listen. Some of your emails uh, I answer when it comes really specifically. Uh, I might even send you a response. So if you send an email, I might send a response. Say give me more information or let's talk on the phone. I might be able to help you. Uh, those kinds of things help a lot. Arif at tfswealth.com. So Arif at tfswealth.com. Of course, you're welcome to uh, to give us a call, set up a time to speak with me, come into the office, whatever works for you. Uh, what's more important is that you understand a couple of things. You always meet with me. There isn't a team of people in a room full of 75 people that, you know, you go in like uh, like some of these folks that uh, advertise or, or, or that have, you know, like law firms, right? Have you been a victim of so-and-so? Give us a call. And the small writing on the bottom says, you know, what we're going to do is farm you out and we make a commission on it. And that's not how it works with us. It's very straightforward. You meet with me, you talk with me. Maybe you come into the office in Simi Valley or Santa Clarita or Glendale. We have an office located, hopefully close to you. Uh, and if not, the old video conferencing still works, believe it or not. The old days. Hey, I want to touch on something. Uh, some of you were questioning Social Security. Basically, here's how Social Security works. They take an average lifetime salary of 35 years. So they take your 35 highest earning years and they create an average. There's a formula that they use. So for you to work one or two or maybe three or four more years before you turn on Social Security, you're probably in the highest earning bracket now than you would than you were, of course, when you were 25. That matters because the the replacement of the old numbers, in other words, the top 35 is probably going to include four or five or six years of either zeros, maybe you weren't working, raising kids instead, in between jobs, whatever it might be, or it could include, let's say, $20,000 a year job, which might have been a pretty good income when you were single in your, in your early 20s or mid-20s many years ago, and today you're making 100000 a year. Well, my my thought is, and my goal is, every time you work and you make a hundred thousand, it pops out one of those zeros or one of those twenties. So what you're doing is creating a, a an average that's that's really pushing that average higher. So in other words, if you can work three and a half more years, why? Because it's thirty five years. Okay, thirty five years. Ten percent of it is three and a half. So in other words, you work about three and a half more years than you would have worked. And the income is such a, an in, incredible amount higher, meaning instead of 20000 a year, it's a hundred or 130000 Then that can move your Social Security checkup substantially, guys. Substantially. Three, four, five, six hundred dollars a month more, depending on, on the numbers, right? So if we're doing that and you're instead of retiring and pulling in your Social Security at age 64, you wait till age 70. So one, you have the higher multiple because you get paid more at age 70 than 64. Two, you have six more years of replacing those lower earning years. 
So what you're doing instead is you're increasing your social security check. Now, if you've chosen to keep working, right, you've hit your full retirement age. So let's say your full retirement age is 67 years old. And your full retirement age is when you can make as much as you want and they're not pulling out any of your social security. They're not discounting your social security check. You can make as much as you want and receive all of your social security check. All right, so now you're 67 years old. If you're doing that and you're making more money and it's replacing that average, actually each year your social security check will increase. Now, it may not go that much, right? We're not seeing a huge amount of changes. But what we are seeing is three or four years of extra earnings. Even if you work past age 70, guys, your social security check can increase. Now, that's important because if you're married, your spouse's income is based, uh, sorry, your spouse's paycheck is based on that number. So kind of keep that in mind. You could have a much higher income. Now, if you pass away, remember, she receives or he receives the higher of the two. So the higher that you can make that one paycheck, the better off you are. Now, a lot of you have sent in, I've heard this comment, oh, probably every other day now. I heard Social Security is not going to be there when I retire. I've heard, well, here's the problem with Social Security. The issue with Social Security is every time somebody tries to fix it or correct it or adjust it, the other side, the other political side, will yell at them and call them, you want to just push grandma off a cliff. You're trying to take away something. And, and they go on and on. And, and you hate old people. And, and it's just this. And so whatever person or political party, they just back off. If you remember Paul Ryan, as much of a rhino as he, as he is or was, Paul Ryan was pretty seriously good on budgeting. That's why they made him the Speaker of the House. Because he understood some of that stuff. Well, I like that about him. I like that he was good with numbers and he understood that Social Security was unsustainable. But every time he tried to fix it, the Democrats went after him. Now, the same thing on the other side, right? The Republicans went after uh, Bill Clinton when he tried to make some adjustments. It's a, instead of these clowns thinking for them, for the country, they think for their own political agenda. So what will happen to Social Security in 2032, 2033? Depends on who you talk to. I think the number is going to be 2032. Right now, it's designated to not run out of money, but to run out of the ability to pay 100%. Meaning what it will do is it's going to drop the amount of money that it can afford to pay out to about 70%. So if you're expecting to get $2,000 a month in Social Security, realistically, you'll probably get $1,400. That means you have to budget to make sure you don't have two and three and four different other choices of income that are going to go away as well. We have to have lifetime income. We have to have guarantees. I want them to be non-correlated, right? Uh, You've heard me say an example of the the gentleman who uh, became a client in 96 or 1997, but he had already lost everything in the Northridge earthquake because he had all of his apartment buildings were on Reseda Boulevard in the San Fernando Valley. All of his apartment buildings, one of them was paid off and one of them he had a huge loan on and he didn't own them in corporations. He didn't have protections and insurance. So the one that was paid off was the one 
that did not get damaged. The one that basically fell apart and had to be destroyed, he had a big loan on. So the bank came to him and said, so what are your plans? He's like, well, I don't know. It's your house. It's your apartment now. Here it is. They go, no, no, no. That's not how it works. You signed for it. You owe us. So the bank took his other apartment building. So now he lost both apartment buildings. Because one, the bank took back. The other, he didn't have insurance on. The earthquake insurance. So I'm very cautious if you're going to say, I want all of my income to come from one place. Even if you're a rental property genius, you don't want everything to be in the same part of town or in the same city or the same state, especially if you have political risk. Right? You're going to meet with your financial advisor. You're going to meet with your tax professional, your, your tax attorney, your, your CPA. All of these people, their job is to serve you. My job in that role, what kind of guarantees, protections? What kind of income can we make sure never goes away? Right? It's not enough for you just to say, I have a pension. Right? Do you not think city, county, state pensions are going to have a problem? There isn't money. It's not a game. It's simple. There is no money. The city of Los Angeles is eventually going to have half or more of its budget that comes in is going to be required to pay pension contributions for people that aren't working anymore. The county, the state, the city, school districts. I mean, you, you realize it's, a, it's an animal that has gotten way out of control. It's like, wow, I thought we were buying a chihuahua. What is this big Great Dane doing in the, you know, in the uh, kennel here? How do we we got to feed this animal. It's a lot more than that, and that little fella eats. And they didn't budget for it. So my point is, I don't know what's going to happen to the teacher pension or the state pensions. I don't know. I think they're going to have to make some adjustments. But they're... Because there isn't money. It's, it, do they want to tax the people? Oh, Arifa, ha ha. We can tax people. Our pension is always going to be guaranteed tax people. Great. Do you know that we have 2,200 people a day leaving the state of California? 2,200. You know, the, the exodus in moving bans going one direction is pretty big. It's not a small thing. Do you understand that small businesses are shutting down and leaving? Do you understand the overreaction to COVID that both Newsom and L.A. County have done? Remember, we used to have a token Republican on the county supervisor, Catherine Barger. She's now flipped. She is no longer a Republican. She is now, and she sat in a, in a conference room with about eight other people, and she sat one person away from me. She looked at me in the eye and said, Arif, I am just running for one term. So that her boss at the time, right? Don't worry. I'm just filling in for one term. Now, I don't know. Did she lie to us then? Did she lie to us now? But she was irrelevant most of the time anyway. Probably didn't get invited to parties, right? Wasn't popular. So she chose to cave. She chose to be popular. She dyed her hair blue, right? She did all the stuff that that high school kid does to, quote, be popular. Oh, God, that's the answer. Let's put on the makeup. Let's go goth. Whatever it is to be popular. But she's now irrelevant. Disappointing. That's the least of the emotions that she draws. Now now you go, wait, 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 wait. What what are you talking? Because I'm telling you, 
they control the budgeting. And I think they're making huge mistakes. So if you have a county, city, state pension, if you have something that's counting on something to be paid for you in this world, financially speaking, from another entity, you have to be careful. Whatever it is that they're going to pay you, discount it by a third. Okay, maybe that's a safe number. And if they fix Social Security, if they fix the pension system, gosh darn it, Arif, what you did is you made me prepare to have more money in my retirement. I had more money each month because of you. All right, good. Maybe that's the answer. Right? I I think you have to have many sources of income in retirement. And they have to have many, many people not thinking about what about the next decline in real estate or the stock market or social security or recession or whatever the, the problem of the day is. Right? I want you to have many different sources of revenue. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Grab your pen and paper because this is a very interesting uh, email. Let me pull it up here because I think you need to, to hear this directly. All right, here it is. This, I think you're going to start to see more and more people uh, fit into this kind of world. And I had kind of mentioned it before, but here's a big one. All right. Dear Eric, we just had to hire someone to come into my mom's house each day, right? For about four hours a day. She helps prepare meals and cleans. Mom is still very aware and has no cognitive problems, but physically needs help. The caregiver's main role is to keep an eye on mom because she had fallen about six months ago. My wife and I live close and go over to her house every day after work. We just sold her rental property and have about $900,000 we want to make sure it's protected and available to use for her care in the future. Anything you suggest. All right, guys, I'm going to touch on something that I think is pretty important for you to know, especially for your parents' generations. Yours too, but I think more importantly, your parents' generation. And here's what it is. Have you ever heard of something called the aid and attendance pension? Aid and attendance. It's for veterans that served in the military, but there's some rules associated with it. So what I want you to do is to to grab a... I'm going to give you just an overview, but at least it can point you in the right direction. The rules are this. You had to serve at least uh, 90 days in the military. So at least 90 days, which usually means, you know, get out of boot camp. In addition to that, you have to have an honorable discharge. Okay. And you have to have served at least one day during a designated period in which the U.S. was either at war or there was a conflict. All right. They go all the way back. Uh, You can go to the veteransaid.org website. It's a private website. You can look at aid and attendance. Attendance as in somebody taking care of you, attending to you. Aid and attendance uh, for the Veterans Administration. Just put that in your search engine, see what you come up with. But the eligibility can go through the Gulf War. It can go to Korea, Vietnam. Okay, there's specific days. They didn't have to serve in theater, meaning they could have been in San Diego, uh, you know, in the in the cook, uh, the kitchen department. That doesn't matter. Where things really had to change was through this process that most Americans that served that are eligible aren't even asking for it. They don't even know that it exists. 
So if a husband served, I'm going to use that as a traditional, but sometimes it's the ladies, and was still married to his wife when he passed away, in other words, they didn't divorce, then she is potentially eligible for that as well. If they both are alive and still married to each other, right? Then they both are eligible as well. It's anywhere from $1,100 to $2,000 a month each. It's not going to change the world, but it does bring in somebody part-time. It does help offset the costs. Here's the requirements. You're going to have to need help doing two out of six activities of daily living. So I don't know if this is Jeff and Linda. I don't know. Jeff didn't say whether or not uh, his mom or, or his dad was in the military. Now, let's say dad passes away, was not in the military, but mom remarries to somebody that was. As long as she's either married to them currently or when he passed away, she was still married. Even if it's a second husband, she could be eligible for these benefits. That extra 1000 or $2,000 a month that comes in can help offset the costs. And it's for veterans. All right, it's for our veterans that served. Now, there's some rules. There's some income limits and asset limits, right? So you're going to have to check that out to see if this applies. But I always want you to keep that in the back of your mind as kind of the last resort or the first resort, depending on the, the situation of mom and dad. All right. So here's part of what I want to uh, go over. My, my wife and I live close and go over to her house every day after work. We just sold her rental property and have about $900,000 we want to make sure is protected and available to use for her care. All right. We didn't have an age for mom in here, guys. Please remember to put that in there. But let's just say mom is in her 70s, right? Maybe mid to late 70s, something like that. I would still use probably a couple of different accounts. It's too late to buy long-term care insurance, the traditional long-term care, because it's like, you know, the fire, uh, you know, house is on fire and you try to go buy fire insurance. It's not going to happen. Long-term care because mom already had a medical incident and her age would probably just make it impossible. All right, so what I would do is there are some, remember our specialty, right? I'm not going to talk about, oh, I would buy Bitcoin and flip it with uh, uh, Ethereum. That's not my specialty. So I have to use the tools that I'm good at, great at, and see if there's a product or service that I would use. How would I mold this into that? It's very simple. I would take the $900,000. There are accounts that have long-term care provisions built into them with no medical requirements, no medical exams. And it's just an acceleration of the income that you would receive based on the money you put in, right? So I, I would probably take that 900,000. I'd break it into a couple of different buckets, maybe a 200 and 300 or three and three and five, or probably, probably three and maybe three and three, right? Just thinking out loud, 300,000 for one account, 300,000 for another account and leave 300,000 in cash. And I would use those other accounts to ladder to increase income that could come in the front door for mom. Oh, she doesn't need it. That's fine. And it goes in the back door to pay for the caregivers. And we can have it so that that income stream never runs out. And now if mom passes away, whatever's left in the account goes to the beneficiaries. Okay, important. Because the rental property, mom's probably not going to be managing rental property anytime soon, right? Husbands and wives, some of you, that is your job is the rental property and your wife couldn't care less. Some of you, your wife is a stock trader and you have no clue even how to spell the word stock. 
right? I flip stocks and bonds and I'm a day trader. That's great. Now you, you got hit by a bus. Now what happens? She doesn't know how to do your trading or he doesn't know how to, to flip houses or manage the rental property. In other words, each of you might have an expertise that works well when you're a partnership and you're together. But if one of you become incapacitated, who's going to manage, quote, the stock portfolio or the real estate portfolio or on and on. So that's why the, the fixed side of things, the safer side of things is designed to preserve your assets. It's not designed to make her rich. Like there's no way in the world I'm going to take 900,000 and flip it into 1.8 million in her lifetime. That's just not our, it's not our job. Now, if she took it all and went to Vegas and put it all on red, maybe, or lose it all, right? Put, go to the roulette wheel. Maybe she can turn it into, I don't know. That's just not us. All right. So my job is to say, how do I preserve it? And grow it. So I take nine hundred thousand, three hundred thousand in a medium term, short term, uh, the other three hundred thousand in an in an account that has that long term care provision. And I'd keep three hundred thousand just in a bank available at any time she needs it. We have to widen the hallways. We have to put in a a, a different shower. Right, those kinds of things. The money is there at the drop of a hat. It is already tax free or whatever the case is, they're going to have to pay tax on some of it probably. But once it's in her account and it's all done and the taxes are paid, it's over. She doesn't have to pull it from a retirement account, pay the tax, like I mentioned in the first email, right? She can pull it out, spend it on what she needs, and it is not a taxable event. And yet we have plan A and B and that backup of a long-term care provision that we can have for her that gives her a greater amount of income to help pay for the caregivers. We have those accounts. They exist. I always want you to think about it in a way in which it's a bit different. In other words, the goal is no longer to take money and double it and triple it. And right, Sometimes people say, Eric, once I have a million dollars in my account, then I will start making some of it safe. I say, well, what is this million? It's all in your mind. It means nothing to to the account. It means nothing to the mutual funds or the stocks or your 401k. They're just, it's not a psychological thing to anybody but you. Why not 997,064 cents? Once I hit that number. Because the, the round numbers is just your life and my life. It has nothing to do with whatever investment or real estate or choice or, or anything like that. Okay, so I want you to think about that. These are ways for you to have kind of a plan B and a plan, plan A and a plan B. Um, when you hire somebody, this is a bit of a side note, but here he says, uh, we just had to hire somebody to come into my mom's house. I want you to do a couple of things. Number one, you make sure that your homeowner's insurance has a worker's comp provision for health, uh, for people that come into your home. It used to be you wouldn't need it if somebody came by once a week to to mow and blow your garden, right? Mow lawn, pick up stuff. They're gone within 30 minutes. Well, now you have in-home care. So I want you to have a homeowner's insurance policy that covers that person. Now, if you buy them, uh, if you hire them through an agency, okay, then you make sure they have the right, pay the right taxes, make sure the, the, the worker's comp is covered and payroll taxes and on and on. Make sure they have the insurance in case this person steals or you know, lights the house on fire or God forbid hurts mom. You want to make sure they have that. Now, if you're just hiring your cousin's mother's brother and they come into the house, 
then you're going to have to do a lot more work. It doesn't mean you can't, but you have to withhold the taxes. You have to make sure the insurance is paid. You have to make sure you have workers' comp. So my suggestion, go through a licensed, certified place and still, still have your own homeowner's insurance cover it. Okay, you might have questions. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. Reach out to me if you have any questions. I'm here for you. I'm Arif Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour. You have a wonderful day. Bless you. Happy Easter. Financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, Arab has a plan for me. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.